This episode of the Check Out This Record podcast is brought to you by GuitarExclusive.com. Visit now for buying guides, reviews, and more. GuitarExclusive.com Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Rock, Rock, Rock and Roll podcast. Check out this record at episode 101. We are voluntarily getting into contentious, debatable, disputable, and arguable topics that we're ready to give our genuine thoughts on. My mm-hmm. name is Frank, and with me is my good friend who always has something to say, Mark. Hey. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, and you can see these amazing looking mugs on YouTube. But when you ask, great question, uh, new episodes drop each and every, eh, we'll call it Friday-ish. Yeah, why not, right? And if you're hearing us for the first time, (laughs) you're probably not annoyed with one of our past reviews until this one. Give it time. time. Uh We're reviewing records track by track. We have (laughs) lots of musical discussions. Spotlight episodes might even include some mysteries. We've only scratched the surface. And Mark, as I always say, we are no. just getting warmed up. I big. Uh, okay, so you definitely want to check out our verse series where Frank and I will duke it out on behalf of two bands or albums in the name of what we like to call Total Stereo Domination. That was really good. That was really Thank good. Thank you. I surprised myself with it. <laughs> And while you're checking out that, um, be sure just to check out our Instagram and our Facebook group. Hopefully these episodes will leave you wanting more of our musical goodness and Mark, Mark. If you have a record you want us to check out, drop a comment where you find us while you're at it. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Um, Here we go, guys. This is it. So I say this, Mark Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. In my world, uh, they were just hanging out in the ether for me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure. very familiar with the songs that everybody knows. I understand the legacy, the talent, the voice, the guitarist, the bass player, the drummer got all that. Right. Mm-hmm. I know people's obsession with them. However, as a young guitarist that I was way back when mm-hmm. I never sought them out to try to learn the material. I never Ooh. dove into their catalog, never had this almost addicting desire that people have with this band. Why you may ask Mark. Great question. Huey Lewis in the news. There you go. Well, let's hopefully we can get some clarity on this as we go along. And and Uh for some reason, Mark, my frontal and temporal lobes never were satisfied fully by any of their music. So before we get it into why I wanted to embark Mm -hmm. on this, Mark, embark on this, Mark. Okay. Uh Before before we get into that, uh, I want your (laughs) thoughts and your history with Zeppelin, if you may. Sure. So I, I spent like uh, sixth grade through the 10th grade listening to nothing but like 90s alt and 70s classic rock slash metal. Uh, and I always found Led Zeppelin to be underwhelming. Uh, they have some cool songs. They also have some snoozers. Um, <laughs> some of their albums are really well constructed and balanced. This Uh, Led Zeppelin 1, which we'll be talking about tonight, uh, isn't one of those albums. But I think we need to look at this as uh, as if we're examining like the first footprint of of Bigfoot, right? Like we we know that this mystical creature is out there. Um, 
let's let's see where the mythos came from, right? And by doing yeah. Led Zeppelin one, uh, which is not one of their albums that I'm like super familiar with, we get a chance to see that first step, that first imprint the band had, and and maybe we'll see where it goes from here. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> their legacy mark is quite polarizing uh they're mm-hmm. often cited as the best rock and roll band ever mm-hmm. and many have um regarded them as honest brilliant innovative bridging the east and the west musically mm-hmm. the precursors to hard rock blues rock heavy metal i'm sure i missed a few there uh, the reason for this episode is that my mm-hmm. preconceived notion uh was that they are vastly overrated and right. this was before when people uh would mention their name the first thing that comes off is is the narrative of just constantly ripping people's songs off too so this goes back right. a while uh people can tell me they're not overrated that's fine but deep down inside mm-hmm. i never connected with them so mark i wanted to go through each one of their records give them mm-hmm. an honest listen sorry uh and both Herman, <laughs> if they're overrated underrated or if they're just right where they need to be and since you know a little bit more about their records than i do mark what's your experience with this first record oh man you really want to do each one <sighs> Not not an um, episode, not in a row though, but yeah. Yeah, no, no, we're breaking it up, folks. Uh, Led Zeppelin One was probably one of the the last of their albums that I got around to listening to. I was a fan of Houses of the Holy for a while, um, but it's it it's been so long that I can't really remember why I loved it. Just kind of off the top of my head, so I went back uh, and re-listened to that as well. The song that remains the same, Over the Hill and Far Away. Uh, what's uh, that one song with the dumb name that goes, ooh, 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 baby, please don't go. Uh, and of course, the title track with that killer riff. So I think I found like the one album that I liked and just kind of kind of went eh to the rest of it. Um, with Led Zeppelin one being like the, the one that I kind of connected with the least and just really pushed the furthest off. Um, I know the hits just like you do, right? As everyone does here, but getting into the full record, uh, man, uh, LZ one is, has some boring fucking songs on it. Back to you, Frank. (laughs) Well, let's go back to 1966, Mark Mm -hmm. London based, (laughs) London based. Session guitarist Jimmy Page joined Mm -hmm. a blues-influenced band called the Yardbirds. Uh, Mm -hmm. Page was actually slated to play bass, and he switched to lead guitar, where him and Jeff Beck actually would share the title of dual lead guitar. Before Mm -hmm. I continue, Mark, your thoughts on the Yardbirds? In the hall of bands I should have listened to uh, by now but haven't, sit all of the Yardbird records. Uh, (laughs) I know people love them, and they've spawned a ton of guitar heroes. Uh, but I've never felt the need to listen to any of their music. Same here, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> sure. yeah, sure. <laughs> so back to Paige, he wanted to form his own supergroup with him of and he did. Beck on guitars, Keith Moon on drums, and John Entwistle on bass. Vocalist Steve Winwood, later of Traffic, and Steve Marriott were considered. Now, the Yardbirds would quickly dissolve in 68, and Page and bassist Chris Deja started putting a new lineup together. Page wanted vocalist Terry Reed, but he declined and suggested one Robert Plant of Band of Joy, and with him, the band drummer, everyone knows, John Bonham. 
Now, Dreza would drop out of being the base player, and in comes John Paul Jones, rounding up the lineup. October of 68 sees them play build, play a show build as the New Yardbirds. Later that month is their first show at Led Zeppelin. Now, Mark, could you have less original ideas already? The new, it's already starting, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes. I mean, come on. Like the New Yardbirds. Wow. Way to just literally (laughs) say, oh, no, this is my version of that and not do anything new or unique. Just wait till we get to the songs, Mark. Uh huh. (laughs) I'm boiling already. Well, the name origin of the band actually comes from Keith Moon, who said to Paige when he wanted to create this new supergroup that they would go down like a lead balloon. Paige kept that in mind and added Zeppelin as it's the world, the largest of them all. Uh, before we get into the details of the first record, Mark, I wanted to talk about Paige's influence. They include Scotty Moore, James Burton, B.B. King, Buddy Guy, Elmore James, Robert Johnson. We're here in 69. Not quite Sabbath, almost there. Mm -hmm. But Zeppelin comes in with this hard rock blues as well. Real question here, and Sabbath bias aside, who gets the credit? Great question. Uh, Led Zeppelin is a uh, structurally great blues rock band, right? They can perform blues rock as well as anybody. Uh, You want to call them hard rock, I'll, I'll let that go. But Black Sabbath are the godfathers of heavy metal. Led Zeppelin was simply fusing the blues with psychedelic rock music of the 60s. Um, You know, if anything, uh, I think Led Zeppelin's stealing more from the Beatles than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, in conjunction with a bunch of other people, but credit for uh, creating an entire genre black motherfucking sabbath all there you go there you go so this record led zeppelin or led zeppelin one released uh january 12th of 1969 recorded Ooh. after the band's formation and it's a mix of original material and we'll get to this and remakes arrangements Lots. of blues and folk songs the album was produced by page and in my research page was consistently regarded as the band's leader uh your thoughts on bands making a point to accent this mark on a much insignificant scale you see like crap bands like fallout boy where they have to persist to anyone that pete wentz the bass player is the lead singer uh to me it's a band right everyone plays a role mark do do you have any thoughts on that you know now that i realize he wanted half of the who to be in his super group i really just like (laughs) <laughs> of course he needed to be the leader. He's such a, like a manipulator. Uh, you know, I, I, I think given the level of talent here though, like in, individually amongst the band, I think it makes sense that have one person that, that takes the lead and determines the band's focus and direction. This album uh, is distinctly two, if not three ideas. It's a blues album where it wants to be. It's a fantasy prog rock album, wherever it can. Um, so if, he wants to take sole credit for its unbalanced, completely unfocused <laughs> nature. I'm willing to let him have it because after all, he literally just wanted to steal band members from other bands to create his band where he ripped off other people's music. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Talk about a trend, right? I mean, <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, like, you know, if you walk down a road and you fall into a pothole, how many times do you have to walk down that road before you start taking how many times you have to follow that pothole before you take another road the uh, yeah 
So back to this album, we get Jimmy uh-huh. Page, Robert Plant, John Paul mm-hmm. Jones, John Bonham. That's the lineup. It's a self-titled, uh, which is a theme they build upon as we have this iconic cover showing the Hindenburg disaster. Uh, if we're going to get to every facet of the album, that should include the cover as well. Uh, mm-hmm. The image was treated by graphic designer uh, George Hardy. Uh, he rendered the black and white photo using ink and using a radiograph technical pen uh, and a mesotint technique. I'm a fan oh. of anything kind of rendered black and white. So this I'm OK with this cover uh, in the context <laughs> of the band and listening mm-hmm. to this for the first time. It definitely presents an imagery that can be constructed by the listener. Now, uh, you know, if relative to the names to the band's namesake. Uh, sake, excuse me, Eva von Zeppelin threatened actually legal action over it. Of oh. course, if you're not a fan of it, then the Hindenburg disaster could be a foreshadowing for the actual album that you're about to get into. But <laughs> all that aside, Mark, are you digging the cover? You know, I didn't like it until you explained all those graphic design things to me. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> the cover is cool to me. I think it totally misrepresents the album in terms of what they wanted it to be compared to what I think it is. Uh, but, you know, again, that's going to be me. I, I get that Paige was trying to show off uh, how little being picked on mattered to him, apparently. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know what... I mean, I, like, this dude's ego is clearly so fucking fragile. Like, It's massive, massive. Yeah. Uh, this album right away displays the band's rock and blues fusion and quickly became successful in both the U.S. and the U.K., now, Page didn't want to release singles, so only good times, good times, bad time, and communication breakdown on his flip side were released. Uh, the band at the time of recording did not even have a record deal, so it was self-funding, al- allowing them to record without record company interference. Now, for those guitar nerds like myself out there, Page played a psychedelic painted Fender Telecaster, which was a gift from him and from Jeff Beck. For the acoustic tracks, he used a Gibson J200. And on one track, he used a Fender, actually 10-string pedal steel guitar. So as far as we know, he at least stole one guitar. <laughs> for the, I'm just kidding. Right, right. <laughs> it was a gift from Jeff Beck, not a... Not mm-hmm. <laughs> right, okay, gift. <laughs> that Jeff Beck's still waiting for. It right, right. Back. Most of the sound was recorded live uh, with the overdubs added later. Page used a distance makes depth approach as he used the natural room ambiance to enhance the overall sound and texture. Instead of placing microphones in front of the amps and the drums, they placed additional mics 20 feet from the amps. Um, They this used this helps with Robert Plant's vocals too. uh, They eventually kind of bled over some of the tracks. So knowing this sound, impressed by the innovative nature of the band on the recording front regardless of liking the songs i do appreciate the effort to make them sound unique mark absolutely when the beatles did this before them i mean no um, <laughs> it's totally different from what the beatles did the the soundscape uh they've created as a band uh can be really beautiful and unique uh they do have a great depth of sound uh the sound of the record mind you uh, we both listen to remastered versions of. Oh, yes, um, yes. But absolutely. Uh, it, it's always uh, plenty sharp, uh, like when Plant is uh, screaming uh, from the back of the room and dazed and confused before coming up to the mic and making weird moaning noises. But it always <laughs> sounds great, right? Like, And that's 
that's one of the things like that he was, who knows, maybe it was all this time as a session musician. He just learned how to make things sound good. Right. Because they do that. And that's one thing you got to give them. These records all sound phenomenal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Let's finally get into these songs, Mark. Uh, good, good time, bad times. First track, first single, rarely played at live shows in its entirety. Uh, in 69, I have to imagine, though, hearing this for the first time was probably absolutely mind blowing from people. Uh, what I like is how each member was able to add and display their forte, you know, plant singing, Bonham pounding on those drums with uh, mm. just a complete unique technique. Uh, Jones's bass solo and Paige's nasty, almost dirty guitar work. Mm. I can hear the distancing of the mics from the instruments to create more of that echo sound. Uh, as we listen to this, Mark, um, do you like this as a first single as really introducing the world to Led Zeppelin? Here we go. Yeah, this was uh, what they're known for, right? Like big bombastic guitar riffs and drums, over the top uh, romantic lyrics, uh, and with with a simple hook, uh, all sealed with this big fat rock and roll guitar solo. Like I bet they didn't play a lot, uh, play this a lot live, because of that offbeat kind of clamshell rock uh, rock out that John Bonham does. Uh, most in uh it, it must be just absolutely insanely hard to replicate that certainly yeah. over and over and over uh for its full extent um you guys will hear me drool quite a bit over john bonham uh, i was a drummer i do appreciate yep. what he did and again those drums sound fucking phenomenal totally hey look when it comes to what they do doing it well this is what they do well and yep. it's a great lead off single and it's a great lead track for the album yeah well, track two, babe, I'm going to leave you. Uh, it's a oh. cover. Here we go. Cover. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> oh, he told me this now, folks. <laughs> it's a cover of a folk song by Ann Breeden, but Paige and Plant actually have writing credits on this rendition. Uh, this was also covered by Joan Baez, but obviously different as her songs were mostly just her and the acoustic guitar. Uh, I rarely hear this song be brought up in conversations uh, I have with people when talking about Zeppelin songs. I feel this is a fair cop to Stairway uh, with almost more enjoyable and aggressive nature for me. Uh, it's loud and hard rock sections really make this song stand out. Uh, if I am, to be honest, I did enjoy the song. Mark, what about you? Uh, my attention span is my biggest enemy when it comes to this song because it does have uh, some great thunderous rock and roll moments, but it also has these bloated downtime bridges that go just absolutely nowhere. Uh, back and forth like that for, you know, the entirety of its six minutes. Keep this at that two, two and a half minute mark where the song actually starts and ends and then they just tack on another four minutes of garbage. Uh, I'm interested as it's now... As it is now, I, I just get annoyed with the back and forth and over and over and over song structure. Just fucking end it. It goes on <laughs> so fucking long with just like guitar doodling and a lot of those like empty bridges. And it's just so like, just stop it. Just end the song already. <laughs> um, I, I can't stand it any longer. Next. Next is track three, You Shook Me. It's a classic blues mm. song made famous by Muddy Waters and mm. recorded here we go, by the Jeff Beck group. Oh. Using a 12-bar blues with a slower tempo, but keeping the classic blues elements can be heard. Now, shocker, Mark, there was a dispute since the Jeff Beck record, uh, they recorded it nine months prior. Uh, Paige chalked it up to a quinky dink, but sure. Beck and Rod Stewart, of all people, uh, said they remember Plant being around when Beck's version was created. So this 
stealing, shall we say, this ripping off is already in our talks here, Mark. Um, (laughs) It is your standard blues tune, but made heavier. I don't mind it. uh, But Mark, as the blues guy here, what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, from a blues perspective, it's good, right? Uh, Their work as a blues cover band is good. I just don't know why this is on the same album as Babe, I'm going to leave you or dazed and confused did we not have enough material (laughs) i don't think so were you were you just busy rummaging through jeff beck's garbage or even jeff beck's not garbage and like i i don't do it's it's just why the fuck is this here (laughs) track four dazed and confused uh Uh, you can't hear those words and not think about the movie right i mean that's just all right all right all right all right, all right. Um, so this song actually was written by Jake Holmes as a folk song. Uh, the Yardbirds also gave this a try. So it's a rework of a rework. Oh, shocker again, Mark. Holmes would eventually sue the band for ownership, but that didn't happen until 2010. Um, the lawsuit was dismissed and they credited Holmes as a writer. Lots of psychedelic acid rock feel here with an elongated middle and, of course, the roaring guitar. Uh, the band is without letting us know their preferred structure style. The thing is, are we attached to what's going on? Some would argue that the loudness is overkill. Uh, the retort, um, you know, some could say we're crazy. Mark, where do you stand on this? Yeah, you nailed it, man. Uh, they're jamming the psychedelic rock into an old blues number. I mean, like, and when I say jamming, I mean, they're just forcing it right the fuck in there. Uh, I don't <laughs> love the guitar tone here. I think you mentioned dirty. This sounds like garbage to me. Uh, I think, you know, it, it sounds sloppy as as shit in places you know like it, it just is never consistent on process song it's another song that simply spins over and over doing the same thing and it's really boring as hell i i don't understand how people listen to their whole albums by the time we get to rocking out i'm so bored that i missed the transition into it and it's just like it, it's like walking away to go to the bathroom and the movie you're watching is in another scene and you're just like okay yeah, I, I guess we're just here now. I don't know what happened to the last part, but I mean, I guess I'll figure it out. It, uh... <laughs> Track five, your time is going to come. Uh, supposedly only performed live by the band in 1968, uh, with shows not being recorded by our phones. I don't know how true this is, but you know, this is the reason. Uh, but that this is the reason for the infrequent use of the song is maybe because the band didn't like it themselves. I don't know. Uh, you know, we have close to a minute long organ intro and then what would become a signature sound by the band with plants vocals. Uh, we get some finger pick guitars and almost a gospel influence. Uh, of course, that provides a sing along components to it and definitely has an overall feel of classic 60s British rock. Now, for me personally, I don't fancy the song at all. There's no oomph. The lyrics are not good enough to carry the weight and more of these mundane moments. Uh, the gang course actually gets annoying to me, and I would have personally liked some more time changes. Mark, when's your time going to come? <laughs> this song is so boring. The gang vocals on the chorus are, are just lame as hell, and, and somehow the best part of the song at the same time. I don't understand how those boring gang vocals... <laughs> can be the best part of the song. It's amazing how little substance is here. And if you really think about this song, Frank, they're clearly stealing from the Rolling Stones. Your time is gonna come. Well, yeah. Yeah. They're just stealing from the Stones. So no, don't play it 
fucking it sounds just like the stones that people will figure it the fuck out <laughs> i don't know I, I i and you're right that intro is so long and unnecessary Ooh. like my god and it's not even like an organ solo no it's just like one note it's a drone fucking, it's like a drone oh my god <laughs> <sighs> we track six is black Mountainside, uh, a folksy instrumental tune that Paige has writing credits on. Here we go. It's inspired by an Irish folk song called Down by Black Waterside. This arrangement is similar uh, to Barry Janice's version of the song recorded, guess what, Mark? A few years earlier. Uh, it's in the guitar tuning known as Dad Gag, so D A D G A D, which is fun to play. And I myself, I like writing in that tuning. Sure. Uh, as we heard, Mark, you could definitely hear the similarities in the song. So it's, it's it's well done for an instrumentation track or an instrumental track. But why not give it credit right off the bat? I mean, it seems pretentious to me. And Mark, again, this is an apparent trend. First album, six tracks in. We've talked about this now so many times. The key word here, my friend, is pretentious. <laughs> this whole fucking record. Pretentious. No, I mean, I'm sorry. No, no. What do we have? One original song so far out of seven. I feel like we've talked about something being taken from somewhere else for every song. But yes, I I think that's what it is. I don't understand how this album happened and people went, fuck yeah, dude. I can't wait for Led Zeppelin 2. No, (laughs) I'm going like, okay, I guess Prague started, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Track 7, Communication Breakdown. The lead single, recognized by fans as an instant classic. Acts such as Iron Maiden and Soundgarden have uh, been influenced by this tune. And Paige's rapid downstrokes on guitar influenced one Johnny Ramone on his downstroke style. Rolling Stone magazine would say that (laughs) this comes close to uh, punk seven years ahead of schedule and the lyrics allude to Eddie Cochran's nervous breakdown. Okay, so in short, loud, rambunctious, in your face, which are all qualities I like. I do uh, feel that this is a showcase for Paige and his guitar playing. Um, why? Because I just feel that Plant's vocals are just there to move things along from one point to the next without really caring if there's a any sort of focus or not. Uh, I'm not sure how much that makes sense, but at least in my head, uh, I, I'm or maybe I was having a communication breakdown, Mark. <laughs> uh, I mean, you just told me that he stole this from Eddie Cochran. Um, no. Uh, you know, honestly, definitely one of my favorite songs on the album. It's under two and a half minutes. Uh, it's got that great downstroke sound uh, you just talked about. Uh, the speed and energy of, of punk rock yet to come. Uh, another very different song from the rest of this album. What in the name of God is it doing with this band on this album? <laughs> if Paige is uh, guiding the ship, which direction is he going? Because he's all over the map here um to say that this is a focused singular point that 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 this album had a focus and a direction is complete garbage um which might be the secret to his appeal maybe people just like that he's fucking all over the place so there's something for you there's something uh, you know you like a little of this you like a little of that you like a little of this we all know that's the rolling stones fuck out of here there you go there you go communication is hard though it is yeah. well track eight i can't quit you baby uh, oh, another blues cover uh, mm-hmm. of this song uh, written by willie dixon and recorded by shy town excuse me blues artist otis rush 
Uh, another song is in the another song in the twelve bar blues arena. Now, author of the Led Zeppelin biography, Keith Sandwich. No, that's not Sandwich. <laughs> that's Shadwich. <laughs> said the song was one of the most successful pieces on the album, with no flat spots and a perfectly symmetrical form. All the with a classic blues rendition. I'm all for blues, absolutely, Mark. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'm getting fatigued with their interpretation of it, and Plant's vocals yeah. are starting to wear on me. Uh, Mark, you yeah, <laughs> you know I'll never, quit. you know I'll never quit you, but I may want to quit this song, Mark. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm. I, I just want to say Led Zeppelin fatigue is real, right? Like it's fucking real. This is a great blues track, and they they do a great cover here. Uh, I'm not a fan of Plant singing, but I. I I never was, and I don't mind it. it. It's just more of this, what you expect out of him. Um, I never say the appeal for the, uh, excuse me, I never saw the appeal for those kinds of singers. The guys who could like use their voice in every range and octave, like they're in an opera, like right. join the fucking opera, bro. Um, it's cool. It's, it's just not for me. I, I've just never been impressed by it. I think that's maybe why I don't give a shit about hair metal either. Uh, cool tune. Uh, but my God, I'm, I'm bored already, and uh, I'd rather go listen to actual blues albums. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, track nine, last track. How many more times? At eight and a half minutes, and written all by the members. So this is an original song. Um, oh, great job, guys. Well, <laughs> well, Plant was not credited actually for writing it due to a <laughs> contractual obligation. I mean, so much drama mm-hmm. with the writing credits. And they have yet really to be thrusted upon the world to the ma- uh, you know to the masses. Uh, Plant would eventually be given the writing credits. Uh, Plant actually used a bowed guitar uh, and would state that it was made up of little pieces developed during the Yardbirds times. Uh, I already yeah I already have a black mark on this song due to its length, and I was uh, just waiting for it to be over. I know that sounds harsh, uh, but I can be appreciative of the innovative nature of the song and still be bored to death with it. Uh, mark. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, out of, uh, let's call it four songs uh, that were original on this album, maybe two of them might have been cool. Uh, or excuse me, uh, out of the, the, the four songs uh, that made up this one song, um, maybe two of them might have been cool. I don't know if I said that right the first time. This thing just, ha- just it just goes on and on and they, they just loop parts over and over. It's, it's like I've said this before about the whole album. Uh, just like some stoned uh, jam band that just doesn't know when to stop. Uh, I'm, I'm just so bored with it. To answer their question, uh, zero, zero more times around. <laughs> the the song within the songs don't always match up. They just use like uh, John Bonham's clicking a hi-hat to transition from part to part. And it feels, it just super slapped together like, like they were jamming and it was like, okay, I got this song. And then Bonham's still doing the hi-hat. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah, were yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. and I got this song. Right. Okay. Right. Let's play that first song again. Okay. All right. Some more hi-hat. Let's do, this is song number three. Okay. Yeah. Some more hi-hat. Song number four. Let's do three again. Let's do four again. Hi-hat. I know, I know it sounds again. like this other song, but we're going to just keep using that and hopefully no one comes after us. <laughs> oh my God. It's it just... It's so crazy. Like, I just couldn't figure, like, congratulations. You guys finally wrote the entirety of your own song, I guess. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, It just sucks. Sorry. Well, let's get into a couple different facets here. So let's talk about the reception of this debut. So the initial remarks uh, was that this album offered nothing. Then it's a twin from the Jeff Beck group. 
record and it didn't offer what that record offered. I feel like we should have listened to that. Yeah, maybe we should have done that one. Sorry, man. Like, uh, I feel like, man, this sounds a lot like fucking Led Zeppelin. <laughs> uh, Paige's producing and writing skills were actually criticized heavily, but this was mostly in the US. Uh, however, in Britain, it was more of a promising uh, statement saying that they didn't rely on obvious blues riffs and it was a turning point in rock music. Although some lukewarm narratives, the band's live performances were spreading via word of mouth and in North American shows. And that really helped accelerate uh, the album's success. And um, I mean, this album went gold, you know. So, Mark, your, your thoughts. I'm sure at the time this was seen as, as groundbreaking. Right. Um, I mean, like, hey, we figured out what distortion is. Um, I think if we're being honest, they put on a better live show than they recorded uh, an album here, at least here early on in the beginning of their career. I think the foundation of what they were doing had been laid out um, for the uh, the Yardbirds and the, the Blues guys and the Rock and Rollers ahead of them. And then you add in a little bit of classical and, and some fantasy there. Um, they managed to create a, a unique sound, right? Theatrical for sure, bluesy, sure. But it feels like they're, they, they, they rushed this recording with all of these covers and all of these parts that just didn't end they just kept looping like right as, as though nobody had finished writing the songs. I don't know uh, for very long stretches. I get what people like about the band and, and remotely what it is. They like about the album, man, this is just, just not for me, despite the excellence of all its makers. Right? right. And it's, it's parts. It just doesn't work as a whole for me. Too many scattered ideas, way too much jamming out. And just way too much stealing other people's fucking music. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You know, so the legacy, let's talk about the legacy. So over time, sure. Led Zeppelin's heavy style gets compared to Hendrix, Cream, MC5, and the Stooges. Uh, it's revered as a significant turning point of rock music and a heavy metal. Um, Martin Popoff argued that while the album may not have been the first heavy metal record, it did feature perhaps the first heavy metal song in communication breakdown. Now, although arguments can be made, this is not the first heavy metal song with proto metal tunes like Purple Haze and Helter Skelter being released in 67 and 68, respectively. Uh, Mark, do you have, um, do you think the legacy is accurate for this record? You know, I think they get recognized for the collective of their work most of the time. And if you look directly at a piece of it, like we did this album, you can see there are more to these albums than just the hits. Uh, some of it's good and most of it is overindulgent and unnecessary. There's no arguing that it's a big deal of a record because right, I agree. a picture of many things to come. Uh, but as a whole, I don't think this album is all it's cracked up to be. And I bet Jeff Beck's still pretty pissed that they stole all of his original content for it. That's right. That's right. Well, so here we go. This is the moment everyone's waiting for, Mark. I wanted to break down this assessment down by um, music musicianship, song choices and quality, and then what we mm -hmm. think about it. So let's let's alternate if if sounds good with you. And we'll start with absolutely. The musicianship. So it's 1969. I know I keep saying that, but there's context to this record. And I think that's important. Uh, drugs. 
drugs. A new sound <laughs> was created for sure. I appreciate very much the innovative nature in each of the members. John Paul Jones holds down the fort, which is stellar bass playing. Bonham is an absolute maniac on the drums, and his erratic style really creates the disruption in these songs in a good way. Plan obviously is the focal point with really an overpowering style of play, although sloppy at times, certainly better than anything I could have ever done. Uh, and although songs uh, just aren't guitar solos at the end of the day, I, you know, I've never liked Plant's vocals, the high pitched tones. They're like a cat in heat to me, and I get bored with all of this. Uh, you know, the screechingness and stuff like that. And there's nothing special in the lyrics that make it stand out to me. That's what I think on the overall musicianship. Mark, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think you've described the band fairly. And I agree with you on the musicianship of the album. Um, it's technically very good. And some of it uh, is even fun to listen to. Um, like I said, I think the, the biggest problem here is the lack of songwriting. There's way too much interpreting and interpretation right. of somebody else's interpretation and not enough actually creating something new. So when people are like, they created a whole genre. No, <laughs> right. They borrowed a bunch of shit and it came out as something you hadn't heard before. But if you look back, you can clearly pick out everything they stole and the, and realize that this is in no way a new or interesting thing it just the first time you heard it right the the key words here reworks re reimagining kind of how the movies are nowadays anyway <laughs> yep yep so song choices and song quality uh you know it was a trend uh to to stack an album with a lot of covers uh for someone's first record i understand that the beatles had a lot of covers on the first record the second record i think maybe even had more the stones first record was was definitely covers however to be the reimagining, like I said, for one or two tracks is okay. But when you do it with five out of the nine songs, uh, it's, a, it's a little too much. Uh, the credits and the assigning them to the proper individuals is something I'm sure we're going to see more of as these albums progress. Um, I really like tracks like Good Times, Bad Time, uh, and Baby I'm Going to Leave You. But the 12-bar blues uh, numbers were just songs that I wanted to be over because they were just too predictable. Again, this is the part where emphasis on Page and his solos took more importance than the overall song engagement for me. Uh, Mark, your thoughts on the song choices and the song quality? Yeah, quality, as I said, is never really an issue for Led Zeppelin, right? Um, and when I say that, I mean sound quality. They, they did a great job of making sure uh, what's meant to shine uh, does shine, except for a couple guitar parts. Uh, as for song choice, I, I'm disappointed in all the covers. I, I mean, you make an interesting point about the Beatles and the Rolling Stones' first albums having a lot of covers. Those were in the 50s. This is the late 60s, almost the early 70s. We are in a different time of rock music. It's a very different place, and there's no reason that this album had 60% covers on it. I would have liked to hear more original content from them, but I guess Jeff Beck hadn't thrown his trash out. <laughs> uh, it felt like they only had a few things ready when they went into the studio. And, and the songs that were fleshed out um, came across with great spirit and energy. And I think the other songs just kind of got muddled together. Yeah. Um, I think the only exception there being communication breakdown, sure. I feel like they didn't know where to go with it. So they just cut it off thinking they were being interesting and 
you know, if anything, maybe that's, you know, a proto-punk moment where the short song yeah. is invented, you know, certainly for the time. But again, I'm not giving them credit for a mistake they made. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. So here's the moment, right? Is this overrated, underrated, or just right? Again, context, I think it's rated just right upon its release. You had lukewarm, lukewarm and positive reviews with how music was discovered and presented to people uh they weren't hearing stuff like this at the time and even though there could be songs out there maybe that are similar we'll never know if they existed um the the legacy of this album being the new coming of rock and roll i think is an individual preference based on what you like to me it's not because i had another set of influences the meshing of the blues and the rock to create blues rock was there but shortly after sabbath gave it a shot of adrenaline and made in a motorhead brought punk into the mix, which again, to me was more impactful. Um, all music. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Some Sorry. ratings here, all music uh, gave this a five out of five stars, Rolling Stone, the same. And it also ranked 29th on Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time, which based on their recent list of revision really means shit nowadays. Anyway, um, based on the lists I've seen, this Zeppelin album gets ranked somewhere in the middle of the pack as far as the other Led Zeppelin records. And mm. that's how I would place and classify it. It's not from the perspective of 1969. It's from the perspective of 2022. Uh, this yeah. is slightly overrated to me and I give it a six out of 10. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I'm, I'm firmly uh, in the overrated camp from today. I'm happy you brought up the, the reviews it got at the time, right? Because I think those speak very honestly to it. Um, and I, I agree with a lot of them still to this day. Um, look, I, I think these albums get, again, that kind of blanket, oh yeah, they're all great because it's Led Zeppelin. And again, I think people are remembering the whole instead of the individual parts. Right. Uh, when, in reality, only a few of the albums as a whole are great. Uh, this one has its moments and, and I understand why people like it. I, I do, but I don't know who would insist that it's amazing or groundbreaking. I, I, I think that's just ignorance to people who didn't listen to what the Rolling Stones had already done and were doing at the time. I, I, I really, I, I just, it, it's just a, a bluesier version of what was happening. Uh, and they did a great job of melding psychedelic movement uh, into it. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's more uh, to this movement than, than people want to acknowledge. And that's just because they, they know how boring it really is. And if they look up those other bands that were doing this and doing those interesting things like Jeff Beck, they're going to realize that they're bored listening to that too. Yeah. Um, all that said, I'm yeah. giving this uh, a three out of 10. I, I just cannot stand it. It sounds phenomenal. There are great moments, but my God, does it go on entirely way too long where it's cool. It's really cool. I, I have issues with all that writing credit BS, just like you mentioned. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, he's a sneaky snake and he's a son of a bitch <laughs> um, and, and wish they would have cut, you know, the length of these songs down. I mean, maybe that's just me being a punk and, and preferring my songs be under three minutes, but um, you know, <laughs> less repetitive, uh, might mean less boring. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, I have to say 
this was fun though. This was fun kind of doing this and uh, I'm glad we were able to do this. <laughs> and I promise it's not yeah. gonna, the next episode I pitched to you will not be Led Zeppelin too. So awesome. there, there will be some time off Whew. before we get into it. So maybe we'll even have a little bit more, even to say next time, uh, which will be good because we'll be combating everybody once they hear, um, <laughs> <laughs> once they hear all this. <laughs> yeah. Once they've heard us fully shit on Led Zeppelin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I am happy we did it right because yep. again, this this is a band that we both <laughs> agree was was a blind spot for us, right? Like, yes, we both know that they're important. Yes, we both know the hits, but, but how well did we know them? How how into it have we gotten? And I I think we proved the point I made, which is that if you really look at it, you you see what these albums were for what they are, and yeah, yeah. Led Zeppelin one's fucking boring. Yeah, um, it so, is. You know, it is. Frank, after how exciting we both found this record to be, I thought, man, I could use something fun to listen to. So we're going to Scottown, USA, buddy. Oh, love it. Yep, we're going to listen to the Mad Caddies 2018 Punk Rock Steady. Oh, man. It's a fun album of punk rock covers played played in the rock steady style of reggae and ska. Love it. If nothing else, it, it doesn't take itself nearly as self-importantly as the hunk of hype we just listened to well and they admit that it's a cover album so there you go <laughs> yeah and, and they say yeah we didn't write this song here's the credits for who did <laughs> that sounds great you know it's so good to mix these episodes up uh not that this was <clears throat> intense by any means but it definitely you know you had to put on a different uh uh, cap so to speak when when kind of diving into this and i'm going to be excited to get into this we're in a ska mood too with the recent news uh, news of the mighty my boston's breaking up after so mm. long so i am yeah. very pumped up about this i love listening to ska in the car the kids love listening to it so it sounds great um hey man thank you for joining us everybody remember like subscribe rate review uh yo you could challenge us on our uh, zeppelin views and that's totally okay with me so uh, stay safe out there. You know, I don't know if when we did those Greta Van Fleet re- <laughs> re- reviews that I was like, man, these guys don't sound nothing like Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin kicks ass. Um, but I get why people compare them now because they're both yeah. so boring. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Because without you, well, this is the same conversation Frank and I would have had. Yeah. But just, without these intros and outros. Yeah. Just not recording. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but hey, uh, won't you say it with me now? Oh, my, my. Oh, hell yes. Oh, bye bye. Oh, I can't believe they don't like Led Zeppelin. Their mother must have dropped it when they were young. <laughs> I don't know. My mom doesn't even know. <laughs> no, my mom doesn't even know a Zeppelin song. So what's what what's a Zeppelin, Frank? And why would they make it out of lead? <laughs> I